Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. You can go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Carla read that uh, for us. And as you're uh, going there, I, I want to sort of ask you a question. As we sort of begin week two in this series called City on a Hill, the church that can't be hidden. But has somebody ever given you something and you thought, that's not enough? So they gave something to you and you just thought, I kind of need more than that. So a couple years ago, Kim and I, we got invited by this couple over to their house for a barbecue. And so we're sitting there and getting ready to eat and they put the, they put the meat out on the plate and the husband's like, I'm going inside for the rice. So I was like, okay. And he comes back and he's got a bowl this size with the rice in it. And he puts it in front of me. And so I said, is that all for me? And he said, no, that's for all of us. And I'm thinking, there's four grown adults here. That's not enough rice. And I actually said it out loud. And Kim kind of gave me the nudge. And I was like, what? That's not enough rice. Now, if you hang out with me long enough, you know I don't mess with rice. I don't play around with it. I take rice real serious. And so if you invite me over, give me lots of rice. And so it just wasn't enough. Now, sometimes people give us things and it's, it's not enough. But you know what? God never does that. When God gives us something, he gives us more than we often need. He holds nothing back. He gives us all that we need. And our main idea today in this sermon is God has given us all we need to work with him. God has given us all that we need in the world to work with him. And our text today is going to show us just how much we've received from God to do the things that he's called us to do. Look at verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's the first thing that we received from God when we trusted in Christ. We received new life. We received new life. That phrase, in Christ, can mean several things that are not mutually exclusive. The person in Christ is living under Christ's power. They're guided by his power every day. The person in Christ is united to him. They're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a back and forth going on. There's intimacy between them and Christ. The person in Christ is part of a believing community. And that's so important because sometimes as Christians, we feel like we can sort of live our Christian lives. We can do this thing sort of by ourselves, but that's not the way it's meant to be. We are not meant to live in isolation. We're meant to be in a community and a fellowship of believers where we can encourage and help one another through the struggles and battles of life. We don't do it in isolation. 
And as a church, we're committed to that. One of the things we're committed to here is it's, it's, it's that it's building and developing intentional relationships with one another and those outside this community. And we want to know one another. We want to go deep in our relationships together. Sometimes church, it can sort of, you just feel like you come in and you go out. You come in and you go out and nobody knows you. That's not what we want here. We want to know one another so we can support one another through the different things that come into our life. A major change has happened in the life of the person who's trusted in Christ. And Paul can say this because he knows how much God has changed him. He, enjoy, he knows how much he has been changed. See, before Paul was a Christian, before he was writing letters that were encouraging Christians and everything like that, he was a terrorist. He terrorized Christians. He was actually, when he was saved, if when you read this in Acts chapter 9, he was on his way to murder Christians and imprison them. And God saves him through all of that. So when he says the old has passed away in verse 17, when he says, behold, the new has come, he's speaking from experience, from personal experience. He knows that God has changed him. That word behold is important. Anytime you see the word behold in the New Testament, it's just saying stop. Saying, hold on. It's saying, pay attention. The thing that is about to be said is very important. He says, behold, the new has come. The person who is in Christ is completely changed from the inside and out. And that's because when we trusted in Christ, God was fulfilling his promise to us to give us a new heart with new desires. Ezekiel Ezekiel 36, it's coming up. Here it is. It says, And I will give to you a new heart, God says, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your heart, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully and to, to carefully obey my rules. Our heart has changed, and our desires have changed. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, the affections, and the will. All of those things are new, made new. The Holy Spirit is at work in us and alive in us. So now our values have changed. That's why sometimes the people who used to know you and when they run into you again and you're a Christian, they're like, who's this person? Because the values have changed and the behavior has changed and the behavior will continue to change. And now some of you hear that and you're asking the question, well, if I'm in Christ... If I'm so new, as you're saying, Marv, why is it that I can so easily fall into old patterns of sin? If I'm new, why can I go back to those old things so quickly? Well, it's because you're in your old body. The heart is new, but we are in our old body. We're in the old flesh. We are not yet glorified. When the Bible talks about glorification, it's saying when we see Jesus Christ on the day he returns, we'll be made like him, completely transformed and new, and sin will be gone. But in the meantime, we still struggle. We still struggle because we've spent years, think about this, we've spent years training our body in sinful habits. We spent years going in and out of these patterns, and so it's like muscle memory. It's like riding a bike. You can go for like two years and not touch a bike. You get back on, you can just kind of do it. This is me trying to pedal, right? 
And so it's like muscle memory. We can just go back to that old thing. Our sinful habits are hard to break, but here's the thing. They're not impossible to break. A bunch of people should have said amen. Right? I want you talking in here. Our sinful habits, our bad habits are hard to break, but they're not impossible to break. We can form new gospel habits every single day the more and more we submit to the Holy Spirit and allow him to guide us every single day. The Bible says there's no temptation that you face that is not common. And that in the middle of that temptation, the Holy Spirit can provide a way of escape. And so I'm, when, I go, when I see that temptation to go back to that sinful habit, the thing I'm supposed to do is listen for the Holy Spirit, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then let him lead me out of that temptation. And as we do that, new habits are formed. When we understand why it's so easy to go back to sinful habit, habits, it helps us understand ourselves, but it also helps us to respond to the non-Christian. When we understand that it's so easy, why it's so easy for us to go to bad, old, sinful habits, it helps us respond to the non-Christian who says, Christians look no different. Who say, Christians are hypocritical. It helps us to respond to them and we can say, yeah, that's true. Right? We need to, we need to be people who are willing to own the fact that sometimes we don't look that different. And we say, yeah, that is true. But you know what we also say? That's exactly why I need Jesus Christ. And that's why you need Jesus Christ. And so we respond well and we say we need Christ. We willingly, when they call us on something, we confess and we repent. That is the mark of a Christian. Someone who's willingly every day confessing and repenting of sin and then saying to others, that's exactly why I need Jesus Christ and that's why you need Jesus Christ. The person trusting in Christ is not perfect, but they're not the same. They're changed. When God saved Paul, he changed the way he looked at himself, and it cha he changed the way he looked at others. Now ask yourself this question. Are you, are you looking at yourself in the proper way? Are you getting up every day and reminding yourself that in Christ, I am new. I am completely changed. Paul saw believers as new creations in Christ, and non-Christians as people who need Christ. And this is the primary way we are to view the people that come in and out of our lives. We don't, we don't look and see people primarily by their skin color, by their culture, by their marital status, by their economic status, by their social status, by their job status. When we look at the people that come into our lives, what we're looking to see is in Christ or needs Christ. In Christ or needs Christ. Now you think about this, how much this would help you encourage the struggling Christian. That person who's battling in sin, when you look at them and you say, yes, I know you've fallen again today, you've chosen that crooked path, but remember you are completely new, your heart is changed, the spirit is alive in you, and you need to just trust and let the spirit lead you. We encourage that struggling Christian. So think about that, how that helps us, but think about how this helps us show grace to the non-Christian. When we see that person who's doing something, we're thinking, I, I wouldn't necessarily do that. We show that person grace because they need Christ. Think about the way this would help us speak the truth in love to these people. This is a healthy perspective and it'll shape the way we minister to one another. It'll shape the way we minister to people outside of this 
church and in this community. So God's given us new life in Christ, but that's not all. Look at verse 18. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So I receive new life from Christ, but I also receive from God a new relationship. I received a new relationship. The word reconciled is used five times in, the, in this paragraph. And the reason why we need to be reconciled is because our, our, our sin has separated us from God. Isaiah, Isaiah 59 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now that sounds like really bad news. That there's this gap between us and God, this gap that needs to be closed. And here's the great thing is that there's this gap, there's this separation between us and God. But you know what God does? He comes towards us. God is the one who takes the initiative to save us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God takes the initiative. When we placed our faith in Christ, it was God opening our eyes. It was God drawing us to himself. It was God restoring the broken relationship. And that's why Paul says uh, that he does this through Christ. Notice that there. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. It was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that opened the door for us to return to God. Jesus removed the barrier that was between us and God. Ephesians, thank you Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, remember that? There was a separation between us and God. Now Ephesians says, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. Romans 5, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All because of him. And peace really means peace. There's no hostility now. There's no more gap. There's no more distance between us and God. And Paul says, all this is from God. All this is from him. He does it all. Now, there's this thing that we do uh, in the Makuti houses, and, and on birthdays, Kim gets a gift. So no matter which boy it is that we're celebrating, eventually we get to them, right? We get them a cake and some other things. But before they get a gift, mom gets a gift. And you know why? She did all of it. She carried them. She delivered them. I just stood in the corner and tried not to break things. <laughs> but she did it all. And so we want to honor mom before we celebrate the kids because she did all of the work. It's the same with our salvation. God does it all. And so all the glory goes to him. All the glory. When we think about our restored relationship with God, when we think about all that he does, it should humble us. It should fill us with thankfulness to him. He's done an amazing thing. And again, he takes the initiative. He is the one who comes towards us. He gives us the one thing that we need more than anything else, our salvation. And so God fixes our broken relationship with him. And then he gives us 
something to do. Look at verse 18 again. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He gives us a new life, he gives us a new, a new relationship, and he gives us a new message and mission. God gives us a new message and mission. Paul says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. He says God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We've got a message, and we are to bring that message to others. We are to spread that around. And you're like, Where's, what's the message? If God's given us a message, I want to know the message. It's in verse 21. It says, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The message is God has made a way for us to be saved. Jesus became sin for us by taking on our sin. Jesus had no sin. But he carried our sins to the cross. He paid it all. We've been singing, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus never sinned, but he was punished in our place. The theological term for this is substitutionary atonement. The band Coldplay has a song, and the title of the song is In My Place. And over and over in that song, they just keep repeating that, in my place, in my place, in my place. When we think about Jesus on the cross, that is what should be in our mind, that he is there in my place. And he was there willingly, willingly giving his life. And anyone who believes this message, it says that they will not have their trespasses counted against them. That forgiveness is available. And God doesn't just sort of forgive us, clean us up, and bring us to neutral. He actually puts us in the positive. I'm just going to keep yelling until the mic comes back. He puts us in the positive. It says that we can become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 53 verse 11. I hope it's there. It is there. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Jesus Christ, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. This is a promise made about Christ years, and he fulfills that promise. Jesus Christ does it all. This is such a word to the non-Christian. Jesus can make you right in the sight of God. He takes the bad record of the non-believer. He takes it on himself, and then he gives you his good record. That is why we are counted righteous. It's all because of him. And he brings us into a relationship with our heavenly Father when we trust Christ. And in this relationship, you don't lose your freedom. 
That's the thing. Sometimes when you present the gospel to people who are not Christians, that's what they think you're actually presenting, that they're going to lose their freedom. But when we come to Christ, we don't lose our freedom. We gain true freedom because we're shown the way that we are supposed to live. And not only are we shown the way we're supposed to live, God then gives us the power to do it. He puts the spirit in us. And so when we present the gospel, or if you're here and you're not a Christian, when you hear this, you are not losing your freedom. No one's inviting you to join, to sort of follow some new rules. This is the way to true freedom. This is the way to live your life the way you're designed to live under the guiding hand of God, empowered by his spirit. That's what we are to tell people, that we gain true freedom. This can happen in the life of anyone in the world. This is why we're sent with this message. Being reconciled to God was not supposed to stop with us. It's supposed to spread to others, and God wants to use us to do that. That's why we're called ambassadors. Look at verse 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Sorry, verse 21. 20. I'm going to get it making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The ambassador pleads, right? It's there in the text. We implore you. The ambassador pleads with people to trust Christ. And we're ambassadors here because we're citizens of heaven. Philippians 3 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. We have a heavenly citizenship, and we are waiting on Jesus Christ to come and get us. But as we wait, we are to work. We've been given a message and a mission. We're here on mission for the king. We represent him with our Life. We're entrusted, verse 19 says, with the message of reconciliation. That word entrusted reminds us that we're responsible to do this, that there's a responsibility on us. But here's the thing being entrusted with the message means we can't mess with the message. There's a specific message we've been given, and we can't mess with the message. And there's lots of people. Nowadays, you turn on your TV or pull up your podcast, they're messing with the message. And we are not to mess with the message. Max Style says, that's a great book, by the way, Evangelism. You should read that. He says this, ambassadors don't have the freedom to change the message. Their job is to deliver it accurately. Likewise, we must not add to or subtract from Christ's message. We must correctly deliver the message so that the sinner can be reconciled with the holy God, the creator of the universe, the one who owns us and all those around us. We are not to mess with the message. And this is why prosperity preachers are so dangerous. Because they constantly mess with the message. They're constantly telling people the things that they want to hear. They're constantly making it about themselves. And I could list a whole bunch of names right now, but I'm not going to do that. But they're constantly messing with the message of Christ and they're dangerous because they're leading people astray. Because they're making the gospel of Jesus Christ about them and so often they're making a profit off of it. They're leeching off the people of Christ and they're going to pay for that dearly. James says, do not be, we aren't to be quick to become a teacher. 
Because the teacher is judged with greater strictness. You know what is supposed to happen, and if you mess with that, there's a strict judgment coming. But this is why prosperity preachers are so dangerous. I want you to understand this. You're only a true ambassador if you deliver the message of Christ accurately. I'll even go as far as saying this. You're only a true preacher if you deliver the word of God accurately. Everything else is just motivational speaking. It's only if you deliver the message of Christ accurately. So when someone says to you, I'm speaking on God's behalf, do you know what you do? You open your Bible. And you be like the people we're told in Acts 17, the Bereans. You know what they do? There's people preaching to them, and they go home, and they check to make sure it was so. We don't just sit under anyone and just let anyone talk to us and mislead us. We check the word of God and we make sure that what that person has said is accurate to what the word of God has said and what God wants said to those who are truly his. We be like the Bereans. And if they say something false, you talk to them. Because they're leading people astray. Ambassadors, true ambassadors, deliver the message accurately so that those outside the community of faith can hear the way to be reconciled to God. This is the mission we've been given to complete. We are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Last week I said one of the the main reasons we started this church is for the glory of God. It's not the glory of me, but here's another reason we've started this church, to deliver this message. We want everyone to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Here's the mission statement of our church. It's actually over there too, but it's right here in front of you. Hope Church Toronto North exists to glorify God. We want to bring glory to the name of God by fulfilling the great commission. We're being told, go and make disciples of all the nations in the spirit of the great commandment. That means we want to love people as we do it. We want to be loving as we do this in the city of Toronto and around the world. We want to glorify God. We want to make and mature and multiply disciples, but it starts with delivering this message. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Delivering this message is not easy. Completing the the mission and carrying the message that we have is not easy. And so we are going to work together at this as a church. We're going to do this by prayer. We're going to host workshops and those kind of things that teach us how do we share our faith? How do we do that well? How do we neighbor the people around us well? We're going to provide resources and we're going to do this in groups because we want everyone to know that they can find hope in Jesus Christ, that he is the hope of the world. God has given us all that we need, all that we need to deliver this message with accuracy, sensitivity, boldness, and compassion to those outside of Christ. He's given us new life. He's given us a new relationship with him, and he's given us a new message and mission. And here's the thing, this message creates new life. It brings people back to life creates new relationship, and we are to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit so those outside of Christ can have a restored relationship with 
God. David Garland, I'll end with this, says, God continues to act through those who have been reconciled. They have the privilege and responsibility to share this great, in this great divine enterprise and are to call others to be reconciled to God. We are disciples who are to go and make more disciples. And that is our heart here. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that if, as we are here and that we are in Christ, that we are made completely new. And I pray, Lord, for the person who struggles with that, Father, that you would help them to know that even in the moments of stumbling and falling into sin, that they are new, that they are restored, that there is a relationship that they have with you, that there's fellowship now, and that, that they can turn to you and seek forgiveness at all times. And I pray that reality would empower them, Father, to share your message with others. I pray there would be such a love and affection for Jesus Christ that we would see all that we need we have from you. And God, I pray that we would not hoard that grace, but that we'd willingly share that with others so that those who need Christ would come to him. And it starts, Lord, by saying that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. I pray, Lord, that there would be such fire and passion in us to deliver that message. But I pray even before that, we would rest in that reality that we are the righteousness of God because of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray we would want that for others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.